Welcome to the Fantasy Unicorns Podcast, a fantasy basketball podcast with a dynasty focus. Hello and welcome all fantasy fiends to episode 15. That's right. Number 15. Somehow we've made it this far. I'm proud of us. Uh, the Fantasy Unicorns Basketball Podcast. We're happy to be here. Happy to have you here. The crew's all here. It's been a couple weeks, so we apologize for that. But but we're back. Kevin So, Mr. Fantasy Unicorn. How's it going, my man? Going great, Tony. Uh, I am uh, excited to get this one going. Indeed, indeed. It's going to be going to be pretty exciting. And as always, we're joined by Rhett Bauer. Rhett, how's your uh, Monday going so far? Not so bad. Got to put the sun down finally, so I'm just glad to talk some basketball. Mm-hmm. Basketball time. And uh, we're getting into the, uh, the thick of winter. Uh, the weather is starting to get worse and worse here in Chicago. And uh, soon enough, we're going to be hold up watching basketball all week long and i'm personally looking forward to it uh as i mentioned before we've missed the last couple of weeks so we're going to dive into our uh, week in review and, and talk about some of the big storylines uh that we're all paying attention to in this nba season so kicking off i feel like it's impossible to talk about the nba currently without talking about luka Doncic. um of course he uh big piece of news was passing mj for nine straight games with 25 points, five rebounds, and five assists. I mean, Luka Doncic, he's he's something else. Uh, but unfortunately, sprained his ankle and looks like he'll be out for uh, for two weeks. Gentlemen, I'm gonna I'm gonna kick it to uh, to Rhett here first. Rhett, what are your thoughts on Luka Doncic with the ankle sprain? Who is it that you think is gonna get the biggest lift, and what's gonna happen now for the Mavs, who have been Kind of an early surprise so far this season. So I think that because of what he's been doing lately, it's not going to be one single person that has to pick up the slack. I think people have been a little bit underwhelmed with Chris Tapp's Porzingis so far this year. Um, and I know that people have been a little bit disappointed with DeLon Wright as well. Um, I know that because I own him. But it looks like tonight uh, Jalen Brunson is actually starting in the – in Luca's place as the point guard. So we'll see, uh, we'll see tonight to see what, how those minutes shake out. Yeah, it's definitely going to be interesting to watch with the Mavs rotation because I think a lot of people didn't expect for their bench to be as good as it's been. Uh, so this is kind of going to be the, you know, is it real or is it not? Because Luca's obviously been doing so much. Kevin, who, who are you looking for uh, on the Mavs roster to maybe get a, get a, get a punch up here since Doncic will be out for the next couple weeks. Yeah, I think everyone steps up a little bit. Obviously, Jalen Brunson getting the start. He had a, a nice game uh, last game. Uh, I know I, I was with Rhett. I personally thought Daylon Wright was going to have um, a pretty good season, and it's been pretty underwhelming uh, for the most part. So I would like to see him start to kind of uh, get it going a little bit more as well. Um, I think he only played eight minutes uh, the last game. So again, hopefully he starts trending upwards a little bit and takes on some more of that responsibility. But uh, overall, I just, you know, I think those are the two guys that should pick up 
most of the slack and probably going to lean on Porzingis a little bit more, um, maybe some scoring from Tim Hardaway Jr. Uh, but no, either way, it's just kind of a loss for uh, the Mavs and a loss for, for basketball in general for right now. Yeah, I mean, it hurts to uh, to lose a guy who's been so electrifying and so, uh, I mean, he's been a, a pretty one of the brightest shining stars this he's been amazing. This season. I feel really like we've has, talked about him the last couple episodes, so we, maybe we just turn the the uh, the segment into like the Lucas segment. But um, it's just he, he's been that good that we kind of have to keep talking about Lucas him. corner. Lucas <laughs> Pretty corner, much, I guess it's been every week. But yeah. you know, hey, we'll get a break for the next couple weeks. Yeah, that's true. Uh, from the Luca talk. So, well, the next big piece of news that a lot of people have been paying attention to, uh, it seems like the Cavaliers are. I don't know if this is. A surprise to anyone, but the Cavaliers are shopping Kevin Love. Uh, he has kind of underwhelmed, I think, up until this point, certainly from an on-the-court perspective. From a fantasy basketball perspective, he's been top 60 this year, which is pretty pretty great, honestly, considering he's coming back from injury. But I think that as far as his trade value is concerned, people were maybe hoping that he'd be more valuable than he's shown thus far this season. Um, Obviously the trailblazers have been linked to him as a potential landing spot. Uh, Rhett, I'm going to go to you first. What what is it that teams are, are going to be looking for? Well, what should the Cavs be expecting in return for Kevin Love? And do you think that a change in scenery is necessarily going to be a good thing for him? I, I don't know. I think that, the Cavs are going to be pretty disappointed in the return as far as assets go, but I think they'll be happy to see Kevin Love's contract go away so that they can, um, I mean, they're not playing super great right now anyways, so it's not like he's contributing to winning that much. But I think moving forward, moving with Garland and Sexton and uh, Kevin Porter Jr. and Nance, Tristan Thompson, all that, that's that's pretty much it that they have to look forward to. But I also think that Kevin Love will likely have a downgrade in fantasy production because wherever he's going to go, it's likely going to be a contender, right? So you're looking at the Portlands, you're looking at, I've heard some Nuggets talks and Heat talk. I don't know what the money looks like in those situations, but all those teams have guys who hold, like they have the ball a lot. And so he's going to be back to third option Kevin Love, which might mean more threes, but I just don't I don't see him ever going back to his Minnesota days. Yeah, I mean it's tough to imagine that he'll get back to that level of production where he was kind of a, you know, 2010, 25 and 10 machine with threes and maybe a block um, you know, it's definitely been up and down for Kevin Love. Uh Kevin, so what are your thoughts? Who is it on the Cavs who you think is going to benefit the most with Kevin Love leaving. And what do you think the market is for a player like Kevin Love right now? Yeah, it's really tough with that contract. You know, he is owed, I think, roughly $30 million over this year and the next three moving forward. So that's going to be really hard to move. Um, And, you know, I think Woj reported that they're probably looking at maybe trying to get a first for him. Uh, yep. And whatever uh, yeah. the contracts kind of work out, you know, hopefully they get 
something that's you know for for less years than than what he's currently signed on for but right. um yeah it's it's tough to say you know i think maybe someone like a kevin porter jr um even though you know he's maybe more of a wing um but he's a kind of a a, a bigger guy that could step up a little bit and take on some more of that scoring that the Kevin Love and some of the shooting that Kevin Love provided, uh, possibly provide some rebounds and stuff. Um, Chetty Osman, uh, and obviously Larry Nance, I think gets more of an opportunity there as well. Um, kind of an underrated, uh, playmaker, uh, in the post. And I think he's a guy that could kind of, um, you know, if Kevin Love was to move, and it depends on what comes back, obviously, uh, but assuming they kind of get maybe some prospects and a pick um, and maybe someone that they end up just cutting, um, you know, I, I, I could see Nance obviously picking up a lot of the slack that um, was left behind by Love. Uh, and one of the other teams I saw that was potentially in the mix, uh, or at least in the rumors, is Phoenix. So um, that could Ooh. be an interesting place for him to land as well. Mm. There are definitely a few teams, I think, who could benefit from him just from the spacing alone. I, right. I just wonder, I wonder if I just could see it happening where at the trade deadline, there's just no market for him because of the Cavs, their asking price being too high. Um, because I just don't see how they can get both a decent prospect and a pick for Kevin Love. I feel like it's an either or situation. Yeah. Um, and I don't know if they'll do that deal. But speaking of the trade deadline, a question to you two, and we'll all answer, is who's a player who you're most excited or would really enjoy to see traded um, by the trade deadline? Kevin, I'm, I'm going to go to you first. All right. So we had our little discussion beforehand, and you know, I, I threw out that actually um, I was – I would be interested in seeing the Wizards blow things up, but that's not the player that I or the team that I'm going for. And this is something that uh, came out in the news earlier as the Pistons need to do something. Um, and mm-hmm. they have uh, Drummond is going to be uh, probably turning he's down due for player an option. Yeah, he's going to yeah. he has a player option for 28 million next year, which he's going to turn down. And they need to figure out what they're going to do. Are they going to double down and and re- and try to build around him with what they have or are they going to try to move him and, and get what they can um for sort of such a dominant big man and i think they need to move him i just i, I think blake griffin is it, he's not looking like the same player that he was i don't know if he ever will be um to me that's a team that's just kind of going to be stuck in like the you know possibly eight seed down to like the you know 11 you know, the 11th best team in the East, sort of in that not range. Not the treadmill, <laughs> not the NBA treadmill. Right, oh, it's no. exactly where you don't want to be. And so, to me, I think they need to try to get what they can from him and and, and just kind of hit the reset button uh, because to invest in him now would just kind of be a waste for everyone's time and money, you know. So that's who I would like to see moved. I'm not sure where he would go exactly, but um, I would like to see that happen. Andre Drummond in uh, in Portland would be. Yeah. That would I be awesome. I could see that. That would be very cool because they've always they always like the big, they always like the big man who can rebound and catch lobs mm-hmm. because the drop the drop defense they play. But uh, interesting. I like Andre Drummond too. I like him a lot. That would be a lot of fun if he uh, if he went. For sure. Uh, Rhett, over to you. Who's someone who you'd like to see 
moved by the trade deadline? My person is more about keeping a streak alive than anything else. And that guy is JJ Redick because he has made the playoffs <laughs> every single season since he's been yeah. in the league. And that is not look like looking like an option right now with the Pelicans. That um, is hilarious. And I but, hope Jay listens to this episode. Right. Yeah. Shout out. Um, <laughs> but honestly, he in the stage of his career on that team just isn't, it isn't really doing anything for him. And I think that the Pelicans could actually end up getting something pretty decent for him uh, come trade deadline time. Cause there are plenty of teams that are looking for extra shooting. Everybody's always looking for somebody who can hit the three. And I think that with all of the mouths to feed on the Pelicans, it kind of just makes sense if they're not going to win to just trade the vets. And I know some people have said, it's like, Oh no, it's about culture. It's about, treating the young guys and showing them how to win and all that stuff. It's like, well, it's also about asset management and not, you know, it's taking advantage of the opportunity. So JJ Redick. Nice. I like JJ Redick. He's had a really up and down season. They'll have some games where he goes off and hits five threes and I'll have some games where he does nothing. So mm-hmm. I wonder if that's just coming from the inconsistency of the Pelicans roster. I feel like with like some more so. consistency, he would have, so much more production and he could be such a better fantasy asset. Um, for me, I, I've, I, even as we're sitting here talking, I've like changed my mind three times on who I'd like to see <laughs> moved most. Um, but for me, it's, uh, it's Robert Covington on Minnesota. I feel like he's kind of being wasted there and he's such mm-hmm. a valuable trade asset because of what he can do on the floor is kind of, one of those elite three and B guys. Um, and I just feel like he is such an exciting player who is kind of mismatched there in Minnesota. Andrew, Andrew Wiggins has kind of done a better job and taken on more of a role there. I'd really like to see Robert Covington go to a team who could really do with some depth. I'd love to see him maybe go to a, to a, a Milwaukee, um, you know, where I feel like Milwaukee is a team who, could still, they're probably going to stand pat, but I would love to see them make another move and get a little bit better because I feel like, you know, we'll talk on, we'll, we'll talk about them next, but uh, I'd like to see him maybe, maybe go, go there. And, and I'm also, uh, I'm also interested in uh, another name who, that, that popped into my head is DeMar DeRozan. Mm. I'd like to see him get moved. I mean, he's, he's not a great, I, he's not great for the modern NBA, but I'd like to see the Spurs get something for him and maybe, maybe he could help someone out, but, uh, but that's another name that I'd like to maybe see get moved. Um, but moving on to the final piece of news that we want to talk about the, the Milwaukee Bucks, they've been unbelievable. They've won 18 games in a row. Um, and no one's really talking about it, which is kind of crazy. Like no one's really making a huge deal of the fact that like the Bucks are, essentially just like wiping the floor night overnight with teams. Like they, they are not, it's not like they're barely winning these games. They're just absolutely thumping teams. And it kind of reminds me of Mike Budenholzer's last team, the Atlanta Hawks, my Hawks, when they went undefeated in the month of January and dominated the team, dominated the league. Uh, I remember, uh, I don't remember who it was, but someone referred to them as the, uh, the Jugger Hawks. And right now it kind of feels like the jugger bucks 
just dominating team after team. Uh, Rhett, you know, what is it that kind of has made the Bucks be so good and, and what's kind of surprised you about what the Bucks have been able to do over this 18-game win streak? Any other answer besides Giannis is wrong because he is looking like he improved on his MVP season. Like he, I think I saw a stat today. He's hit a three in 19 straight games and he's shooting. He's leading the bucks in three point attempts. And he's only, I think he's shooting (laughs) like above league average. So I think it's like 33, 36%, something like that. He's just been ridiculous. And I think the most surprising thing to me about this is that they haven't been healthy and their team hasn't been playing particularly well, like individual components of the team. So Bledsoe's missed some time at the start of the year and then is going to be out for another two weeks or something like that with another injury that he can come up with. Um, then Brooke Lopez has been underwhelming. He hasn't been shooting the ball nearly as well as he has in the past. Um, but guys like Dante Givintenzo stepping up into a more expanded role and they just are killing it. Like you said, 18 straight is nothing to turn your nose up to. It's coaching. It's just coaching. I mean, these guys are so well coached so they can have guys come in and out um, and continue to contribute. Kevin, over to you. I mean, what, what are your thoughts here on how the Bucks have been able to dominate? And from a fantasy standpoint, I'm curious if, there are any trends that you're seeing on this roster that, you know, maybe some fantasy owners should pay attention to? Yeah. I mean, I don't have much to add from what you guys were saying. Obviously Giannis is having a a crazy season. Um, You know, he just keeps getting better and better. Um, I think one of the maybe um, underreported things lately has been the play of Chris Middleton. Um, You know, he's kind of, been on a little run here where he's been getting more than 20 points, you know, five, six assists, a handful of boards, a lot of threes. So he's contributing kind of what everyone was hoping he would produce, um, you know, uh, last year. And I think, you know, uh, he was dealing with all his injuries and stuff. And I think um, he kind of flew under the radar a little bit now and has been producing really well. Um, You know, I think overall on the season, um, you know, he's technically still sort of in that top 80 range, but I think he has, uh, he's going to bump that up, um, sort of over the course of the next couple months. And I, I think that you're going to continue to see good play out of him. And, um, you know, I think obviously the bucks are just going to keep rolling with it. Yeah. I, I also find Middleton to be really interesting because, He had this great season last year and and came out a little flat. I wonder if, I mean, do you think that the buy low window for Middleton is closed or do you think that there's still an opportunity for managers to try to buy low on him? I mean, just in the last week, he's been playing really well. So I I think he's not a buy low at the moment. He could have another dip. You know, he can be kind of a streaky player sometimes. So you could wait for that. Um, but overall, I feel like he, unless someone's just not paying attention, um, you know, he's he's been playing pretty well uh, recently. So, sure, sure, fair enough. Well, that uh, that concludes our uh, weekly review, our weekend review session section. Oh my! And 
stay tuned with us. Uh, we're going to dive into a little bit of a dynasty corner here where we're going to talk about a few players who we think managers need to make a decision on. So uh, stay tuned for that. Welcome back, fantasy listeners. We're uh, going to dive in here to our dynasty corner. We're, this is a pretty exciting little segment here that we're going to do today. What we're going to do is we're going to talk through uh, a list of players and just get our reads on, you know, what direction and, and what we think these players might do for the rest of the season. Um, a lot of these guys are players who maybe haven't given us what we were hoping for. Um, younger guys who maybe we were taking a flyer on and hoping to contribute who haven't really lived up to that. Um it's going to be interesting here because these are the players on your roster who, you know, for one point or another, you need to make a decision on either you trade them away. In some cases, maybe you're cutting them. Um, but it's definitely going to be an interesting, uh, you know, discussion here that we're going to go on. So uh, starting off, uh, I'm going to go to Rhett. We've got Alex Len and Alex. I think a lot of people were expecting him to really step up and be the main guy, the the starter in Atlanta. He showed some flashes, obviously took a step forward getting getting to Atlanta from Phoenix. Uh, although I think maybe some people have certainly earlier in the season were a little disappointed. He stepped up lately. Um, what's your take on Alex Len and, and what do you think his trajectory is rest of season? I think that Alex Lynn's trajectory will likely go down as John Collins comes back from his suspension. I think it's only four more games, five more games, something along those lines. I mean, he has been playing very well lately. Um, All those people who were hyping him up after the suspension were probably glad they were right, but I don't see him uh, continuing to play well once Collins comes back. Yeah, it's going to be tough for him. And the other thing about Alex Len is that he, you know, we were hoping to see maybe a, a step forward on the three-point shooting, and he really yeah. hasn't done that. Um, mm-hmm. He's only hitting .3 threes a game, uh, which is not very many. We were kind of hopeful that he would contribute that this season and he would take a step forward. He hasn't done that. Um, and I think that that's keeping him from seeing the floor because that floor spacing is really what, Atlanta was hoping for with him. So it's kind of been disheartening to see there. So moving on to uh, the next player here, Kevin, we're going to talk about Malik Monk, who has been, you know, pretty surprising. I, I think that maybe we were hoping that he'd take a bigger step forward, but he's definitely had his moments this season where he stepped up and, and had a, a good game here and a good game there, but it hasn't really come together for him. Uh, what's your read on, on Monk? now as we sit kind of a third a third of the way through the season yeah i think you know and and i'm kind of thinking of this through the lens of a dynasty gm and uh you know he definitely was a player that for me had i had a lot of interest in when he was drafted uh i guess it was uh three seasons ago so um he just he hasn't lived up to the billing you know he hasn't been able to really put his whole game together he's a huge defensive liability and he just hasn't been able to stay on the floor and he's seen Devonte graham come in and just take over what was supposed to kind of be his role uh or what we all thought he had a chance to be uh heading into this season uh on the rebuilding um hornets team so to me he's a guy that he still has sort of that 
that name people are interested in. He still has shown flashes. Uh, but for me, I'm moving on from him. I'm, you know, especially, you know, I'm thinking again, dynasty, deeper leagues. Um, he's a guy that if I can trade him for a future first round pick, um, that sort of thing, uh, you know, I'm I'm looking to move him, you know, maybe wait till he has some sort of, you know, 20 point scoring game um, and then just see float out, um, you know, that he's available, see what I can get for him, because I just don't think he's going to necessarily be the a starting quality player um, in the NBA. I don't know if he's ever going to put it together. And, and for me, it's time to get out. Yeah, I think a lot of managers were hoping that he'd take that next step. And it, and it just hasn't happened for him, particularly uh, in the distribution, right? Like he's not really doing any of the sort of point guard things that we were hoping that he would do as a secondary ball handler. Um, it, it's been it's been disappointing, to say the least, with Malik Monk. I, I'm with you. I think that a lot of people should be considering, hey, what's the next step? Uh, and, and how can I start to, you know, potentially recoup some value? Um, sure. Because just on from a from a fan tracks, so I'm looking. Uh, fan tracks ADP for Malik Monk was 153, and right now he's giving you, you know, he's he's in the the two 260 to 270 range uh, in terms of his rank. So no good, no good for Malik Monk. A lot of people no. were hopeful for him this season, and, and he really has not come through. And and a lot of and a lot of it is because of Devontae Graham. But I also think that you know the Hornets they need as much as they can get. If he was if he was capable of stepping up, he would have done it. Um, so yeah, definitely some big question marks there. Uh, Rhett, over to you for the next uh, player that we're going to discuss. Uh, it's Chris Dunn, and Chris Dunn is has you know with Chicago. Obviously, I think a lot of people kind of caught on last year that maybe his his upside is limited. Um, this season, he has taken another step back, not really giving you much of any of the things that you were hoping for, but. At the same time, you know, still giving you some some of that elite elite steals has some value. Um, maybe a bit of a surprise, perhaps, in terms of the value that he might bring to you. But in terms of on the court product, maybe not what we expect. What are your thoughts on Chris Dunn? He's actually one that I would likely hold, and it's exactly for what you said. The steals. He's at two steals a game in 21 minutes. I mean, that's he's. Absolutely, I shouldn't say absolutely awful everywhere else. He's not good anywhere else. He is shooting 19% from a three and 71% from the line. And he's only bringing three rebounds, three assists, and a, a single turnover. So that's not too bad. But two steals a game is probably worth holding just because he's young. And if he goes somewhere and he can have more responsibility without... Kobe White, Sadoransky, Markinen, Wendell Carter, Otto Porter Jr., and Levine in front of him handling the ball and seeing all that usage, it's possible he could turn into something a little bit Rajon Rondo-esque, just probably a little bit less points. I feel like he can rebound and assist the ball decently well, and if he gets up towards 30 minutes, you're looking at 2.83 steals a game. That's that's something worth holding on to, I think. Yeah, he definitely is the type of player who can win you a steals category in a week. Um, but, you know, the question is how much should you really be valuing his ability to contribute in that one stat, right? Like there are yeah. guys, obviously there are guys who, you know, all of their fantasy value is in their ability to block shots. 
and steals yeah. and blocks are the two most precious commodities in fantasy basketball. They're the hardest stats to get, and they're the closest margins week to week. So that is why you'll see his value up in the top 120. But, you know, the question is, is he going to stay on the floor enough? And that's kind of where, you know, some of the, the yeah. boom bust is with him. If he sees his role get diminished, then obviously he won't get you those steals. So uh, definitely something to monitor there. Um, but you're, you're saying it's a hold. And I, I agree with you. I do wonder if potentially you can say, hey, look, you know, he's ranked so highly. He's giving you all these mm-hmm. steals. And maybe you can get more value for him as a result of that. But ultimately, uh, you know, the fact that he can win you a category is pretty cool. Pretty, pretty mm-hmm. exciting there. So moving on, the next uh, next person we're going to talk about, huge, huge letdown up until this point. Uh, Dennis Smith Jr. A lot of people thought when he was traded to the to the King to the Knicks, sorry, that he would uh, be able to step up. That you know, a lot of people saw his rookie season the year before Luka Doncic joined when the Mavs were one of the worst teams in the league. He was an exciting player. We were hoping that it would be the Dennis Smith Jr. show in New York, and it certainly has not been that. Uh, Kevin, what's your take been on Dennis Smith Jr. Uh, and his underwhelming beginning to the season? Yeah, he's similar to Monk. He's a guy that I had a lot of hopes for when he was drafted. Um, he's a, just kind of an electric player. He His dunks are amazing. You know, he's he's got that athleticism. He can jump out of the gym, but there's definitely something lacking. And I, you know, it, it seems like it, it could be he just is one of those guys that has just an amazing athlete, but just not really there with sort of the basketball IQ, unfortunately. Um, he just hasn't been able to put together. Now, he hasn't been in the best positions. And obviously, being on the Knicks is probably the worst case situation to, you know, to be on. Um, but I just, I think he, you know, it's similar to Mike. He still has a lot of name value, and you can probably get something for him in a dynasty league. Um, I just don't see him, at least in the current situation, uh, really recouping much value. You know, he's he's kind of just been awful. You know, I look at his free throw percentage, and it's just been going down. He's shooting under 52% from the line this year, which is just insane. Um, and wow. you know, yeah, wow. under 32% from the field. Uh, it, it's, he's just have been having a garbage season and I, I just, I have my doubts about him ever really coming back, uh, and being, you know, anything close to what we thought he could be. Uh, and I, again, he's a player with that name value. And so I'm, I'm trying to sell if I have him and see what I can get. Uh, but I wouldn't have high hopes for what I could get in return necessarily. Yeah, it's definitely a big question mark with him. I, I was hoping that with Fizdale um, stepping, you know, getting fired, I was I was hoping that maybe we'd see a little bit more of him, um, just to to see him get on the floor a little bit more and maybe given more of an opportunity. But it, it hasn't really happened, and and there's a reason for it is because he hasn't been very good. Um, so it's certainly I, I do I do hope that he I, I feel like he has the raw talent to be able to pull it together. Um, but I just don't, I, it just hasn't been happening for him and, and it's looks like it's only getting worse. And we'll talk about one of his backcourt mates uh, a little bit later, but definitely, um, some big question marks there with DSJ. Rhett, over to you next, uh, next person we're going to talk about next player. We're going to talk about 
Mario Azonia, Portland Trail Blazers, a team who's been underwhelming up until this point in the season. Obviously, they hoped that they would be much better this year. And Hazonia maybe was hoping that he'd get more of an opportunity and hasn't really had that. So what's your take on Mario Hazonia uh, up, up until this point? I would say sell, but I'm not even really sure what you could get for him to the point where it's almost a drop, depending on the depth of your league. I mean, he like we've been talking yeah, about, he's tough. somebody whose name kind of carries some value, and you'd be like, oh, isn't that the guy that stepped over Giannis? It's like, yes, it is. But also, he plays on the Portland Trailblazers, who are desperately hurting for front court depth, and he's only getting 17 minutes a game. He's scored double digits three times in the entire year. In 26 games, he scored double digits three times. And I just don't... If he can't get it going on a team that needs some power forward minutes, I'm not really sure what to do with him moving forward. Obviously, trade whatever you can, get whatever assets you can, but I wouldn't be holding my breath or a roster spot if I absolutely uh, felt like I needed to move on. I wouldn't feel bad about it. Yeah, I mean, you're kind of at the point now with Hizonia where you're saying, you know, there was some hype around him when he came into the league. And certainly early on, people were saying that he was a project player who could potentially become something. But at this point now, if, it, if it's not happening now where Portland really needs anyone to step up, like you said, in the 3-4, um, and, and he's more of a 3, so I don't know if he can really guard for so much. But, you know, he can certainly spread the floor, and he really just hasn't done that and he's really had the opportunity i mean where else it could not be a better situation uh, for him to do that and he really hasn't been able to i mean geez they're giving minutes to nasir little who you know i mean kev is like he's not even a basketball player so it's uh it's tough (laughs) it is tough it is tough out there uh so kev um our next player here that we're going to talk about someone who i mean when marvin bagley jr went out I was hopeful that Harry Giles would maybe get some of those minutes and would have an opportunity to step up and and make a difference. And it didn't really happen for him at all. He hasn't really seen the floor very much. He's kind of been a non-factor on the floor. uh, And it's been a letdown because there was a lot, there were a lot of people, obviously still young, he's 21, but there were a lot of people who were hoping that he would potentially take a step forward this year and it really hasn't happened. What's your read on on Harry Giles? Yeah, I mean, he's a player, you know, he's been in the league for a couple of years. And you know, like you said, he's only just uh, 21. Um, but he came in, um, I think he was the number one high school player in his class. Um, right. And then he, he dealt mm-hmm. with a lot of injuries. So he's a player that um, the potential's there. Obviously, there's some you know, concerns about his knees, which, you know, obviously he had to deal with. Um, so you are taking a gamble there, but this is, um, he's in the final year of his contract and next year he's an unrestricted free agent. I'm definitely, uh, you know, I'm floating out feelers to see if I can trade for him in dynasty leagues. Uh, I don't think, you know, you look at his production, um, just as is, and it's not very impressive, um, but you look at what he did last year, and his per 36 numbers are actually pretty nice. Um, you know, per 36, he was getting um, just under 18 points, almost 10 boards, 
almost four assists, you know, over a steal and a block a game, shooting 50% mm-hmm. from the field. So the potential is there. And if he, you know, is healthy and can find himself in a better situation uh, next season, that's a player that you're going to be glad you invested in now uh, for cheap, um, you know, and kind of reap the rewards moving forward. So I think it's worth a gamble for uh, kind of seeing if you can trade for him in dynasty leagues um, and, and kind of, you know, based off of, uh, again, his contract and stuff that he ends up in a better situation next year. I like that. He's been bogged down in that Kings front court. That's just yeah. been so competitive. Uh, he hasn't really been given an opportunity and especially for his skills where, you know, he's sort of undersized for his position, but he can handle the ball. He can shoot a little bit. Yep. You know, I think that he could, he could definitely be one of those players to, to be valuable yep. in the future. And like we said, only 21. So yep. still young. great point. Still young, still young, plenty of time for him to develop into something very nice and tasty. Uh, moving on next player that we want to talk about here. Um, <laughs> he's kind of been a bit of a punchline for the last few years and, and it's just because he hasn't really been able to stick and it's Sante Exum and, and it's just such a, such a shame because people wanted him to contribute more. And in Utah, perhaps it wasn't going to happen this year with their depth chart, the way that things look in at the, uh, you know, point guard position, shooting guard positions. Um, Rhett, what's your, what's your take on Dante Exum and, and why is it that, you know, what perspective should, should, fantasy owners take with him yikes um it hurts it really does because you kind of thought it's like okay maybe he'll get some backup point guard minutes maybe he's going to crack the rotation he's at 7.6 minutes a game this year and has the only stat he has above one he's scoring two points a game and one rebound a game I mean, he is not somebody who is being used in Utah. He's, I mean, you want to talk about dirt cheap. I wouldn't be surprised if he's on just about everybody's waiver wire. I just don't see, he definitely doesn't have a shot on this Utah team with as much as they're trying to win now with Conley, with uh, Mitchell, Bogdanovich, Ingles, Gobert, like just all of those guys. I don't see him cracking any more than the seven minutes he's currently getting. Um, maybe if he goes somewhere else, but I wouldn't be taking the chance on it right now. I don't think. And the thing is that Mike Conley has been missing time here and there, and he's still not yeah. really getting any run. He's not getting, no. he's not even seeing the floor. So for me, it's a clear drop for Dante Exum. I think that he's, you know, I mean, he's not even at 24. He's not even one of those guys who you're saying, okay, well, I'm in a dynasty league. I'm going to, you know, say I'm rebuilding. He's not even giving you enough to justify holding him in a in a rebuilding I, situation. I will say that in my thirty team leagues, he I'm pretty sure he's rostered in all of those leagues. Okay. Uh, so when you get into the really deep leagues, he is. I, I think if you just consider his defensive potential as far as a reason that he could get on the floor, there's a little something there. Obviously, he hasn't produced, but um, for the really deep leagues. Um, I don't think he's sitting on any of the waivers in those leagues that I'm in. Fair 30 enough. teams, a different beast. Yeah. yeah. 30 team is a lot of, a lot of those guys are, you know, but, but the question is right now he's giving you. Oh you yeah. Know, he's not producing. 
he's giving you Frank Mason the third numbers. <laughs> it's all, <laughs> it's all I mean. just potential. Yeah, and, I mean, you'd be better off. You'd be better off with. Uh, and I don't even know. I mean, Pat McCall. Right. I mean, they're the same. They're basically the same thing. And those guys are, you yeah. know, they're just not. You know, and Pat McCall's great. I mean, I'd rather have him. But uh, but Dante Exum is the thing is that he's he's had opportunities, right? I mean, he was he was if I, I don't remember where he was drafted, but I feel like there was some draft capital in him, and he just hasn't really done it. So to talk about draft capital, that doesn't even scratch the surface on the next guy that we're going to talk about, Josh Jackson. Former number four overall pick, if I'm not mistaken, yeah, you're by right. the Phoenix Suns, um, and he was traded to the Memphis Grizzlies for a sack of potatoes, basically. Um, <laughs> and he hasn't seen the floor this year, basically at all. I mean, I think he's played in like maybe two or three games this season. Most spent most of his time um, down in the G League, and it's been it's been tough. I mean, I think there were some people who were saying. Well, the Grizzlies, they went and they got him. They're obviously rebuilding. Maybe he'll see the floor. He hasn't done that at all. Uh, Kevin, uh, what's your read on on former top five pick, Josh Jackson? Yeah, it's rough. It, he was, Now, he was a player I was actually correct on in that I was not a believer in him coming in out of the draft. Um, I did not think he was a good pick by Phoenix. And he actually had some productive moments on a really bad Phoenix team, uh, basically when they were tanking. Mm -hmm. Um, And so he was able to get in there and produce and put up numbers. uh, But I don't think you can count on that at all moving forward. You know, he's still just 22. He's a young guy. Um, I just don't think he's a good player. I don't think when I, anytime I've seen him on the court, I feel like he kind of doesn't know what to do is making bad decisions and is detrimental to his team. Even though he might, you know, have some 20-point games and put up some some counting stats and stuff when he when he has, gets minutes, I just don't think on any real team there he's going to get much burn. And because of that, I just don't think he's going to be uh, a good player to have on your roster. And sort of along the lines of some of the other guys we talked about, even in deeper leagues, he's just probably not worth rostering uh, unless you know you're hoping that he makes it out of the G league and onto the, the real world. Cause he hasn't played any games actually so far this season. Um, and maybe you can get some value yeah. from, from him. Yeah. Um, in a trade, but overall he's someone that I'm not ever touching. And if I had him on a roster, I don't know. I mean, it, <laughs> I guess if I, if I was tanking, it would be fine. But if I was competing at all, I would see if I could get a second round pick for him or something like that. I mean, mm-hmm. it, you know, he's got a little bit of name value. He had, like I said, he had some production, so people may remember that. But overall, I just don't think he's a good player, and he's not a guy that I want on my roster. That's a tough one. That's a tough one with Jackson. I do, I think he's, man, he's got the potential, right? Like, but the I don't problem know. is, I don't, like, I don't he's think got he does. the measurables. He's got the measurables, I should say. Like, <laughs> he's not the He's got not the body types. Yeah. I don't know. Not only is he not playing, but he's also gotten suspended from their G League team. Yeah. <laughs> so think about that for a second. Like, oh, what wow. kind of knucklehead do you have to be? He's like a Dion Waiters. He's Dion got Waiters. some serious. Yeah, yeah he's yeah, got some serious so things to figure out. I don't know. Yeah. That's it, tough. That's tough. Yeah. Uh, leave him alone. 
I think. <laughs> Fair enough. So uh, moving on to our last player here that we're going to discuss. Um, I'll let both of you guys weigh in on this one, but I'll start with Rhett. Because uh, he's galvanizing. He's a galvanizing player, and that's Frank Milikina. I think a hold. lot of people... Sorry? <laughs> I said hold. Yeah, he's a... Yeah, I mean, he's... There's certainly a lot to like. Um, there's certainly maybe some things that have been perhaps a little questionable about him, but it's sort of like a Chris Dunn situation where he's giving you so many steals. Uh, and he and he can he does a couple of the things on the floor that we like. Um, but obviously the Knicks have been a mess. So Rhett, I mean, you're saying hold, and I think you're right. But uh, what's your what's your take? So. Like we talked about with Chris Dunn, it's a similar situation, but he Nilakina has more upside as a he just seems to be more effective on the floor in about the same amount of minutes. So he recently had a game yesterday. It was 13 points, five rebounds, four assists, four steals in 23 minutes, shooting four of six from the floor with two threes and 100% from the line. Obviously, that's not what's going to happen all the time, and that's probably his best game of the year. But I think that. He has a role in the league. It's probably not a starting point guard job, as we've shown with uh, Alfred Payton taking it and or Dennis Smith Jr. taking it throughout the year. But I do think that he has he has a role in the league where he can get you in 23 minutes. He can get you a three, six points, two boards, three assists, and two steals or something like that, and the occasional block. Like, I think it's similar to Chris Dunn, and if I had to pick one, I would definitely pick Neil Aquina. Yeah, I agree. I think I think he he's a player that sort of similar to Chris Dunn. I might even put him as sort of a almost like a younger Patrick Beverly type of player. Mm-hmm. You know, he, he's going to be he, – he's got defensive, like – statistics written all over him like he, he's a guy that will get you steals he'll get you a couple blocks and he will actually be a good a real life real life yeah. nba defender and he can get yeah. you assists he can get you some boards he's not a high usage player i don't think he ever will be you'll never count on him for points but he does enough in sort of the other categories that i think he's a player that i would personally try to invest in um see if i can get um you know while he's still not really putting up too many eye-popping numbers though he has had a couple four uh like four steel games and and stuff like yes, that yes he has so it, it's something that you know yeah, i'm sure that that catches a lot of people's attention but overall in deep leagues he's a player that um again he just turned 21 this summer so he's still super young um he's got that defensive potential that will make him a usable player in the league and i think he can put enough of the um other non sort of the score the non flashy stats you know the all the other counting stats uh to make him kind of a valuable an underrated asset uh, moving forward very nice very nice so that has been uh our dynasty corner talked through a bunch of players uh hopefully uh you enjoy that i certainly very much enjoyed that um i definitely took some notes here on some guys that i've got because uh a lot of frustrating players on this list. A lot of players who we really were hoping would maybe take a step forward that, and they, that that did not. So uh, very helpful, very good stuff. Uh, next, we're going to talk through some some trades that we discussed uh, on a previous episode and uh, talking through a few more trades 
the most exciting stuff, the lifeblood of fantasy basketball. So stay tuned for that. Welcome back. And uh, we're here to, to share with you our last segment for our podcast today. We're going to talk about trades. We know you love them. We love them too. Um, earlier in our earlier in our podcast series, I believe it was the sixth episode. Uh, we talked about a few trades um, that we thought would be interesting. These are preseason trades, um, and uh, one of which got vetoed. So we want to potentially for some continuity here for those uh, those of you who've been listening from the beginning. We want to revisit those trades and think through if maybe how we considered them then, if, if it's changed, um, and, and think about perhaps our perspective maybe better now. Uh, so diving into the first trade, and we're all going to weigh in on these. Um, first, we've got a trade where it's uh, on one side, we've got Lonzo Ball, uh, Steven Adams, Brandon Clark. And on the other side, we've got Bam Adebayo, uh, DeAndre Jordan, and Jalen Brown. Uh, some good players there, some very exciting players. Um, so I'll start with Rhett. Rhett, who, which side of this deal do you like more? Um, and, you know, maybe talk through some of these guys who, uh, who perhaps we, we maybe thought too highly of or didn't really have on our radar who stepped up or, or maybe disappointed us. So selfishly, this was the trade that I submitted to you guys in episode six. Um, well, well. And yeah, so I was the side that was sending Bam, DeAndre Jordan, and Jalen Brown to receive Lonzo, Adams, and Clark. And I knew Bam was going to be good. I, I was one of the only people in my league who strongly believed that Jalen was also going to be good and that he would end up being worth the extension that I figured was coming. But I did not expect either of them to do what they're currently doing. But I would still make the trade. I would still trade Bam, DeAndre Jordan, Jalen Brown for Lonzo, Adams, and Clark because it's a 12-team dynasty league. So while Bam has been good and Jalen has been good, I believe Lonzo can get better. Adams has been playing very well lately. And Clark is a defensive machine. And only playing 20 minutes, he's still the, like the 63rd ranked player overall, I think. Somewhere, I think he's top 60. So if Clark gets more minutes, he can he can be as productive of a player as at least Jalen, um, while Lonzo and Adams can give me what Bam does. And then getting off of DeAndre Jordan's old uh, self was was definitely an upgrade in my in my book. Kevin, thoughts on the uh, on the trade here? Yeah, it, it's tough because obviously for me, uh, Bam was the best player in this trade. Yep. Um, I, I am a believer in Lonzo. I do think he will be uh, a perennial top 30-ish, 40-ish type player um, mm -hmm. once he's fully healthy. Um, and obviously I'm a big fan of Clark as well. I think he's got... Uh, you know, but I, I've been surprised by Jalen. You mentioned that you were one of the few kind of believers. I was not a believer in Jalen coming into this season. I did not think he was going to uh, produce, and and he's surprised me. He's he's done better than than I expected. Mm. Uh, it's it's closer for me. You know, I, I agree. DeAndre Jordan, uh, not really somebody that's too fun to have on your team. Um, Stephen Adams, you know, is is an upgrade over him, um, but. 
it's close. It's really it close. It's, it's kind of a toss up for me. And I might even go, still lean towards the Bam side just because he is the best player in yeah. that. Um, and when you're dealing with a 12 team dynasty, um, and I don't know how deep the, the benches go or how, how deep the we have go. a 20 man roster. So uh, we are super, super deep. Okay. Team Ooh, that, that changes it a little bit. It does. It yeah. does. So that was, that was something I didn't throw in there. Sorry about that. It's a really deep rosters. Okay. So when you have the deeper leagues and this is just sort of in general for you guys in, in dynasty and, and, and fantasy in general, um, you know, depth does become a little bit more important. You know, when you have sort of the, the, the more shallow leagues, you want to get that best player in trades you want to get you really want to be you know make sure you get those top guys um because the uh you know the drop off from them is going to be more it's going to be have more of an effect on your team uh but when these deeper leagues you you know you kind of want to make sure that you you're not too top heavy uh and that you kind of have a have a have a nice deep team if you can so that that could sway it a little bit and i i could see uh, especially as a dynasty and you get in Clark um, leaning that direction, but it's it, still it, pretty it close. It also comes down to team need, right? So my team needed more assists. Obviously I didn't think Bam was going to average just as many assists as Lonzo would on the year, <laughs> but unreal. Yeah. But I needed the assists. I was like, okay, I'm getting Lonzo. I'm getting the same big man numbers that I would from Bam from Adams. And then it's just a toss up between Clark and Jalen. And obviously Jalen's the better player now in terms of like scoring and all that. But I think defensively Clark's a better oh, yeah. player. Yeah, uh, if, sure. if this were a regular 12 team, like 14 man league, I probably would not have done this deal, but because mm-hmm. of the depth, so um, yeah. I was able to, I was able to maximize that. And no, the dynasty I, element. Yeah. yeah. Well, yeah. That yeah, yeah that too. And speaking of Bam, and this is a little off subject, you guys, you know, we talked about most improved player um, earlier in earlier episodes. Do you think that he's a guy that could start being in that conversation as well? Yes. He's played himself into it. Yeah, he's yeah. played himself into that conversation. I mean, it's going to be tough to, you know, Luca, you know, it's tough to argue against Luca, but I think Bam is yeah, conversation. It's tough with Luca. I think with Bam, though, the fact that he's expanded his game so much. Yeah, um, and it's and he's tough doing because different if, things. If Luca ends up in this, you know, it's the long shot, but if he ends up with an MVP, um, that might, you know, then they may not want to give him most improved and right. give it to somebody sure. else, and then that way, sure. you, you know, so it'll be interesting to see. I don't know, man. I feel like LeBron is still up there on the MVP. Oh yeah, like, no. I feel like there, there's a couple players. I mean, Harden. Yeah. Still, you know, obviously. But people so. are not talking about Giannis. LeBron. It's, Giannis, anyway, anyway, we'll have to do some talk next week. But, uh, yeah. but moving on to the next deal here, and this is a deal that was actually vetoed at the time, but I think that our take on it now is going to be very different. Although I think that generally our opinion as a as a podcast is that vetoes should almost never happen. Um, and I think that the conclusion that we came to was that this was a pretty fair deal at the time. Um, but on one side, we've got Bradley Beal, Miles Turner, and Otto Porter Jr. And on the other side, we've got Darren Fox, Blake Griffin, and Justice Winslow. Uh, so obviously, it's an interesting deal. Uh, Fox, Blake, and Winslow have all uh, missed significant time due to injury. So that's kind of something to consider here if we're looking at this deal. Um, personally, I think I, I probably... I probably... 
Ah, man. This was a dynasty league. This was a dynasty league. Dynasty, so that that plays a role. Obviously, Beal Turner and and Otto Porter Jr. are three very talented young assets. Uh, But, yeah, I mean, obviously that side's pretty pretty strong. But Otto Porter Jr. hasn't seen much of the floor. Miles Turner's been injured uh, and not been playing maybe as well as some people hoped he would this season. Uh, Nope. Rhett, I'll start with you. Uh, what's your read on on this deal now, with the benefit of hindsight? I mean, just from injuries alone, you have to take the Beal side. But I think that at the time, we were even saying that the Beal side was better, and that it definitely wasn't vetoable. It was bad, because in a Dynasty League, trading for Fox, Blake, and Winslow kind of sends mixed messages about what your team's going to be, whereas Beal, Turner, and Otto Porter are all under 27. So that's a pretty good group. And Beal's the best player out of all of them right now. Fox could maybe get up there. But with with Beal, you're getting a top 20, top 15 player. Turner can win blocks by himself. And Otto Porter Jr. is an underrated fantasy asset who can just contribute across the board without really hurting you if he's healthy. But he's barely been on the floor. He's right. barely been on the floor. He's been bad. But then you look at the other side, and Fox has played like I think seven games. Blake is getting an MRI on his already surgically right. repaired knee. And then Winslow has been actually having some chronic back issues this year, which is terrifying to me as an, as an owner. Like it's just doesn't look good now. It's a tough deal. It's a, that's a tough one. I mean, I think clearly it's the Beals side right now. Um, Kev, what are your thoughts? Yeah, I don't remember what I said about this trade when we talked about it in the past, but <laughs> I definitely I'm leaning on the Beal side as well. I partially because um, I'm I'm not big on Winslow. I don't think he's um, that good of a fantasy asset, and I think what you get, and I think Rhett, you mentioned this um, sort of when you look at the timelines of the players, um, the one side, the Beal side, makes a lot more sense than, mm-hmm. than the Fox side. So. That's probably the way I would lean before uh, the injuries, but also after. The one thing I would throw in there, though, is I don't know what's going on with Otto Porter at the moment. And, you know, he has dealt with a lot of injuries in his career. Uh, it looks like now he's dealing with his left foot. And he just seems like he's always getting banged up and then is out for longer than they think he's going to be out for. And so I don't know what's going on with him, what he's dealing with. Um, he should be uh you know in the prime of his career at this point but he, you know he's had a rough go in chicago and i i want to make sure that he's fully healthy and and i do have concerns about sort of what this could mean for him long term as far as just all these injuries kind of adding up on him but hopefully he's okay he, he you know he can come back in a couple weeks but um just something to keep an eye on you know in dynasty leagues as a player yeah. that seems to always be in this situation and it's very frustrating for gms that have him on his roster and at his best he was a top 20 fantasy guy he yeah and he does much better in rotisserie leagues you know he head to head he's okay you know he can he can contribute but he his real value comes in rotisserie leagues where he doesn't hurt you like you was saying in any one category um he's not really great in any category either but uh, you know, he does enough to to help out a little bit across the board in, in head-to-head. 
you need that guy. You need that Swiss Army knife guy. guy. Yeah. Um, so, yeah, the glue guy. You need that guy. So, uh, anyway, definitely a lot of question marks with uh, Otto Porter Jr. there. So, the last trade we're going to talk about, it's an interesting one, and this is a new trade. We didn't discuss this last time. Um, it's a big one. So, it's on one side, we've got AD, Anthony Davis. We've got breakout star Kendrick Nunn for the Miami Heat. And we've got OG Anunobi, who has been... Pretty solid this year for the Raptors. And then on the other side, we've got Clint Capella, Bam Adebayo, who we talked about earlier, and Jonathan Isaac. Uh, and for context, this is a 12-team, 14-man roster. Uh, and in this case, um, you know, obviously it's, it's not your deepest league, so these guys are going to be pretty important. Uh, Rhett, I'm going to go to you first. Uh, what are your thoughts on this deal? So this was actually sent to me by one of the guys I play with in my dynasty league from another league that he's in. He's the AD owner, and I told him to immediately accept it. So I know we talked about earlier how in the 14-man rosters and under, you typically want the best player in the deal, and that is almost always true. But in this case, he's punting assists, and he's got three guys – who are just incredible dynasty fantasy assets. And you're kind of selling high on none, though he's slowed down lately. OG Ananubi, I believe in and think he can be very good um, moving forward. But Capella is a known quantity. He's going to dominate big man stats. Bam is shown what he can do, and I don't see him slowing down, can dominate big man stats and give you some assists. Isaac leads the league in blocks, is like top 10 in steals, and is only scoring 13 points a game like we talked about last week or two weeks ago. Those are three guys that, I mean, if you're receiving them, that's a trade that I accept. How do you guys feel? Yeah, no, I, I'm, I'm with you. Yeah, I and I was the one that was kind of stressing the, the sort of best player in a trade in sort of shallower leagues. But um, you're right. You know, it it's tough because both Bam and Isaac – could potentially be sort of borderline first round guys next year, yep. uh, depending on. And so while they may not be sort of that top three player that AD sort of is going into next season, you know, mm-hmm. unless something weird happens, that's a lot of value to get back for, um, again, Kendrick Nunn, who was kind of came out of nowhere. And so he has a little bit more of I need to see it. Um and, and, and make sure that he's legit. Um, and OG Ananobi is a, a very good player, maybe potentially a top 50-ish player. Uh, but you got two guys that, like I said, could be borderline first-round guys next season, and Capella, who is probably a clear-cut second-round guy next season as well, and is one of the most consistent um, big men in the league. He just kind of does this, you know, gets points, and you know, enough points and boards, great field goal percentage, gets his blocks, um, and, you know, just is just a very good, consistent, you know, high achieving player. So I'm I'm with you as well. I think it, it, even though you're giving up AD, um, you're getting back a ton of value. And it just kind of makes sense, uh, given the situation that you were you were laying out there. Yeah, I got to agree. I mean, these are three. I mean, well, Bam and Isaac are impact players. Um, and that's what you're looking for, guys who can do a lot of different things. So definitely would take that side uh, of that deal and 
certainly I'm looking if possible to, to, to get both of those guys, Bam and Isaac, uh, because in Dynasty, they're, they're going to be super, super valuable, not only next year, but in the future as well. So with that, we conclude episode 15 of the Fantasy Unicorns podcast. Thank you all for listening. Kevin, Rhett, thank you both for being here. I've been Tony Papadopoulos at who's underscore your underscore Papa on Twitter. Uh, check it out. Lately, I've been posting my, uh, my, my plays, my, my game bets for the, the, the slate. Uh, yeah, I'm going to so start using that. that. Hey, you should. You should. Yeah. I, I, I hover around, uh, you know, 60% right now. Hey, that works. I, imagine I'll, I imagine I'll get a little better as we go on. But, uh, All right. But it's been fun, so keep an eye on that. Kevin, uh, why don't you let the people know where they can find you on Twitter? Yeah, you can find me uh, on Twitter at Kevin So. Great, simple, clean. Yeah, uh, Rhett, easy. Let the people know where uh, where they can find you. I'm on Twitter at Rhett underscore Bauer, R-H-E-T-T underscore B-A-U-E-R. I'm the only one of us with a really silly Twitter handle, <laughs> which I think is fine. Yeah, that works. <laughs> I don't know. I mean, it's, uh, I guess that's, that matches my personality. But that concludes this episode. Thank you all for listening and uh, have a great week. 